This sermon was recorded at Highway Mountain View in Mountain View, California. If you'd like to find out more about Highway Community, you can head to www.highway.org. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you. Welcome to the Highway Community. We're really glad that uh, you could be with us today. As we gather together for worship this morning, we're continuing our teaching series through Paul's letter to the Galatians entitled, Set Free to Live Free where we're exploring together what it means to live according to the freedom that comes from the transforming presence of God's Spirit in our lives. And to get us started this morning, we're going to take a, a look at a clip from a movie that, uh, that is very dear and near to my heart, I have to confess, and that is The Devil Wears Prada, which is a movie that tells the story of a young woman named Andy, an aspiring journalist, uh, fresh out of Northwestern University, who lands a job as an assistant to the editor of a major fashion magazine. Now, for, for millions of other people, this job that Andy gets at Runway Magazine would be a dream come true. But for Andy, who sees the fashion industry as completely shallow, uh, not to mention contrary to everything else that she values in her life, she sees this job simply as a stepping stone, hopefully, towards a more serious journalism job somewhere else until she becomes immersed in it. Take a look at these scenes from The Devil Wears Prada. See how fun that is? Oh, I'm so sorry, I'm late. There's a crisis in the accessories department. I needed to find a python headband. This python's hot right now. I have exciting presents for Ooh. all of you. Are you ready? <laughs> what is that? It's a bang in Olufsen phone. Charlie Rose sent it to Miranda for her birthday. I looked it up online. It's $1,100. What? Wow. Yeah. And I have some products. Mason Pearson hairbrushes, a little Clinique. Ooh. Oh, damn it. I love your job. Oh, one more. Little thing. <gasps> Do you want it? Give me. You want? Oh. Give me, give me, give me. I think she likes it. Oh, my God. This is a new Marc Jacobs. This is sold out everywhere. Where did you get this? Miranda didn't want it, so. Oh, no, 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 no. This bag is $1,900. I cannot take this from you. <laughs> you can. Why do women need so many bags? Shut up. You have one, you put all your junk in it, and that's it. You're done. Fashion is not about utility. An accessory is merely a piece of iconography used to express individual identity. <gasps> And it's pretty. That too. Yeah, yeah, but you know, the thing is, it turns out that there is more to runway than just fancy purses. Look, here's an essay by Jay McInerney, a piece by Joan Didion, even an interview with Christian Amanpour. Looks like someone's been drinking the Kool-Aid. What are you... Hey, Miranda, girl. Hi. I was just thinking about you. Oh, come on. That's true. No. I'm, I'm profiling Gautier for interview. And uh, making my Paris plans, I found myself wondering if uh, you were going to be there. Well, actually, uh, I am going. Great. I'm staying in a fantastic little hotel in the right across the street from the falafel restaurant that would change your life. Sorry, I'll be too busy working. Not to find someone else's life to change. Well, that's just it. 
I'm beginning to wonder if I can. Madly in love with Nate. He's always five minutes early and thinks oh, Club Monaco is couture. For the last 16 years, I've known everything about that Andy. But this person, this Glamazon who skulks around in corners with some random hot fashion guy? I don't get her. Lily, have fun in Paris. You going to Paris? Uh, yeah, it just happened. I thought Paris was a big deal for Emily. Or... Good, you're gonna give me a hard time too. Hey, Andy. Andy. Andy, what the hell is wrong I, with I you? I didn't have a choice, okay? I Miranda asked me, and I, I couldn't say no. I know that's I, your answer for everything lately. I didn't oh, have a choice. Hey, like this job was forced hey, on you. Like I you don't make it. these decisions okay. yourself. You're mad because I work late all the time, and because I missed your birthday party, and I'm sorry. Oh, come on, what? What am I for? You, you, you hate. Runway and Miranda, and you think fashion is stupid. You've made that clear. Andy, I make port wine reductions all day. I'm not exactly in the Peace Corps. You used to say this was just a job. You used to make fun of the runway girls. What happened? Now, now you've become one of them. That's absurd. Hey, that's okay. That's fine. Just own up to it. And then we can stop pretending like we have anything in common anymore. You don't mean that. <laughs> no, I do. there in the clip, Andy's time at Runway was definitely affecting her in a very serious way. Not only was she showing signs of drinking the Kool-Aid through her newfound appreciation for designer swag and the journalistic merits of Runway, but she was also starting to become intoxicated by the interest of a well-known and well-connected author as well. And all of that, as we saw, drove both Andy's friend and her boyfriend to confront her. And Andy had changed so much that they hardly even knew her anymore. She had become almost completely unrecognizable to them in virtually every way. Well, as we come to Galatians this morning, we actually see something very similar happening. Now, Paul, remember, was writing to the churches in Galatia because they were drifting from their faith. Right? There were some Jewish Christian teachers who were telling them that they needed to supplement their faith in Jesus by also observing the law of Moses as well, and particularly the aspects of the law that distinguished Jews from Gentiles, things like circumcision and the various laws around food, what was permissible to eat and what wasn't permissible for a person to eat. And the Galatians, as they were under the teaching of those Jewish Christians, they were succumbing to that teaching. And as a result, their faith was more and more becoming unrecognizable to Paul. And this morning, as we, as we move into Galatians chapter 3, we're going to see Paul confront them very directly about that. As he calls them to remember not only what they knew, but also, more importantly, who they were as well. If you have your Bible with you this morning, you'd like to turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. You'll find Galatians 
towards the very end of your Bible. It's right between 2 Corinthians and Ephesians. Galatians chapter 3. You're also welcome to follow along on the screen behind me as well. Take a look with me at Galatians chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. You foolish Galatians, Paul begins, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Christ Jesus was portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? Now, once again, we hear Paul's anger boiling to the surface here in those verses. Right? We hear it when he calls the Galatians foolish twice, and we also hear it very much in the tone of those questions that he asks in rapid-fire succession as well. He's clearly frustrated with the Galatian churches. But it's interesting to notice, I think, that, that as Paul launches into the argument for the message that he had preached to them originally, right, which, remember, was that God's acceptance comes only by his grace through faith in Jesus Christ and not by the works of the law, right, as Paul launches into his argument for that message, he starts, very interestingly, by appealing to the Galatians' experience. Right, he says there in verse 1, before your very eyes... Christ Jesus was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you had heard? Right, so there's the key question. Right, did they receive the Spirit by following the works of the law or did it come instead as a result of them believing? And Paul, of course, can ask this question with confidence because he already knows the answer. And he knows the answer because he was there. Right? He was the one who had preached Christ crucified among them. He was the one who was there when they experienced receiving the Spirit. Right? And evidently, as we hear in those verses, that was a very powerful experience. That was a very powerful experience. We see in verse 5 that, that much like when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost in Acts 2, and much like when the Holy Spirit came to Cornelius and his family in Acts chapter 10, the Spirit, when he came to the Galatians, worked miracles among them as well. And while Paul doesn't mention any specifics about that, it's clear, I think, from this reference that the Galatians would have known exactly what it was that he was talking about. And the reason that Paul is, is evoking those experiences here is because all of those things happened before the Jewish Christian teachers arrived. Those things happened before they were ever on the scene. He's evoking those experiences to remind the Galatians that all that happened before and that it was their faith that had ushered in this completely new reality that they had experienced together that it was through faith in Jesus' death on the cross that they had been rescued from the present evil age and they were experiencing now life in the Spirit. But now, they had drifted. Paul says in verse 3, after beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? And so Paul wants the Galatians 
to see. He wants them to realize. He wants them to recognize here that they had changed. That he wants them to remember that their experience of the Spirit's presence was directly connected to them believing in the message of Christ crucified and not from following the law. And so he draws first on that experience. And then in the verses that follow, we see Paul actually root all of that experience in the Old Testament. And specifically, in two specific stories about Abraham from Genesis. Now Abraham, of course, was, was a seminal figure for the Jews. God chose him, along with his wife, Sarah, to be the couple through whom he would raise up a people who would embody his presence in the world. And that story begins in Genesis chapter 12, when God came to Abraham and called him uh, at the tender age of 75 years old to leave everything behind him, all of his possessions and his family in his land, and go to an unknown place that God was now going to show him. And in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, as part of that invitation, God blesses Abraham, saying this, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so God's blessing on Abraham and his family promises land, it promises descendants, and it promises that Abraham's family will be a blessing to all people on earth as well. Genesis chapter 12, verse 4 says then, after that, that Abraham went just as the Lord had told him. And that story from Genesis 12 and Abraham's blessing is one of the stories that we're going to see Paul referencing here in Galatians chapter 3. The other one is from Genesis chapter 15. But God had promised Abraham and Sarah that he would make them into a great nation. However, they had been unable to have children, and they were well beyond those childbearing years in terms of their age. And so in Genesis chapter 15, God calls Abraham out of his tent. He tells him to look up at the sky and count the stars. And then God says to him, so shall your descendants be. Right, so God promises Abraham descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, says that Abraham believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, with all of that in mind, we're going to look together at this next section of Galatians. And in order to get a sense for the broader scope of what Paul is doing here, we're going to read all the way from verse 6 through verse 14. But as we do that, be watching for those references to these stories from Genesis as we go. Galatians chapter 3, verse 6. So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. 
Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now we see Paul doing something that's very interesting and also very profound there in those verses. He's reinterpreting or remixing, if you will, these Old Testament stories in light of what's happened through Jesus. He's remixing or reinterpreting these Old Testament stories in light of what's happened through Jesus. And he's doing that here in order to show the Galatians something significant. And that is that their experience, their experience of God's acceptance through faith isn't really anything new at all. It actually goes all the way back to Genesis and is as old as Abraham is himself. Now remember that before his conversion to Christianity, Paul was part of the elite Jewish religious leaders. And so he had a deep knowledge of the scriptures and a deep knowledge of the Old Testament law. Paul knew these stories that he's talking about here intimately, and he also knows exactly what he's doing as he retells them. And we see in verse 6 that he starts by quoting directly from that story that we talked about from Genesis chapter 15. He says, So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And with that little phrase that he begins with there, so also, we see Paul directly comparing the Galatians' experience to the experience of Abraham. Right? Abraham believed, it says in Genesis 15, and because of that belief, because of that trust, because of that reliance on God in relationship and that alone, he was counted as righteous. That he was considered acceptable to God. Right? And so this point that Paul has been making all along so far in the, in the letter to the Galatians, that God's acceptance doesn't come from anything else except for faith, actually has its roots all the way back in Genesis chapter 15. Abraham's story Paul is saying here by referencing it confirms that God's acceptance comes only through faith. And Paul actually underscores that point even further here in a very creative way. He underscores this point even further in a very creative way. And he does that by what he actually chooses not to include as he references the story from Genesis 15. Let me explain that. According to Jewish writings, the faith that Abraham demonstrated in Genesis chapter 15, that, that was the faith that, credited, that was credited to him as righteousness, that faith that Abraham demonstrated in Genesis 15 was intimately connected to his submission to circumcision in Genesis chapter 17. Right? The Jews essentially read these two stories together. And so for the Jews... Believing 
and participating in the covenant sign of, of circumcision were seen as two things that were, that were done together, right? To borrow the phrase from the Geico ads that are on TV all the time, it's what you do, right? You believed and you were circumcised. And so to not do those things together was seen as contrary to Abraham, which is precisely why the Jewish Christian teachers in Galatia were placing so much emphasis on all of this with these new believers, right? For them, circumcision was a key part of being acceptable to God and being included in the blessing and being included in this blessing of Abraham. But notice here in Galatians chapter 3 that Paul doesn't make a connection between believing and circumcision. Right? He references Genesis chapter 15 without mentioning Genesis chapter 17 at all. But Paul treats Genesis 15 as a separate story. And here's why that's important. As a separate story, Genesis 15 comes first, which means that Abraham was pronounced acceptable to God first by faith, and faith alone before his circumcision, which came later. He believed first, and he was circumcised later. And for Paul, that demonstrates, that's a very powerful argument, that circumcision and believing don't go together, right? It demonstrates that circumcision isn't actually a necessary part of faith. Of course, the reason that all of this is so important is because it's very likely that the Jewish Christian teachers were telling the Galatians the exact opposite thing, right? That circumcision was necessary in order to become sons of Abraham. And so Paul here makes it very abundantly clear in verse 7 that they already are included as a part of that. Understand then, he says, that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Those who have faith are children of Abraham. And so the Galatians are already a part of the people of God simply because of their faith. They don't need to do anything else. They are already included. And their inclusion among God's people is also something that has its roots in Abraham's story. And specifically, in that story of God's original blessing on Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Look again at verse 8 of chapter 3. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And so, for as much as the Jewish Christian teachers in Galatia wanted to connect God's acceptance with the works of the law, Paul makes it clear, using these stories from Abraham, that it was always God's plan to include all nations in the blessing through faith in Jesus. Look at verse 12. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. And so Jesus' death and that alone redeems us from the curse of the law and enables us to share in the blessing of Abraham, which Paul says here is the promise of the Spirit. 
And back in 2004, our community sent a team of people to Honduras uh, to help build a church in a, in a very rural community called Palala, which is one of my favorite things to say to this day. I love to say Palala. And uh, this rural community, by rural I mean no electricity and primary mode of transportation with most for most people was horses. Uh, and lots of people also carried guns at the same time. Uh, and so it was, it was sort of like what you might imagine the Wild West to be like only in the 21st century and in Honduras. Uh, but one of the things that, uh, that's always really impactful for me about ministry trips like that one are the experiences of cross-cultural worship. Right? There's something special about worshiping together with brothers and sisters in Christ and experiencing how they connect with God and also how they connect with each other. And something that was unique about this particular church community was actually the way that they greeted each other. They would greet each other not by saying hermano or hermana, which is brother or sister, which is the, the greeting that's typically used in most Central American churches. They didn't greet each other by saying hermano or hermana. Instead, they would say, bendecido, which means blessed, as in you're blessed. Not be blessed, but blessed. You are blessed. And so with that greeting, and I love that, because with that greeting, they were reminding each other. They were in the habit all the time, every time they saw each other, of reminding one another who they were. They were in the habit all the time, every time they saw each other, of reminding one another that they were blessed. And that is essentially, really, what we see Paul doing in a much more complicated way in some respects here in, Genesis, in Galatians chapter 3. He is reminding the Galatians that they're blessed. Right? That through their faith, they're already accepted by God. Already included in the blessing, already recipients of the promise of the Spirit, and already sharers in the mission of the blessing as well, which is to be a blessing to others. And the reason that Paul is reminding the Galatians of this, and the reason that he's so exercised about it, the reason he's so angry, is because of how far they had drifted. Not only had had their efforts to follow the law of Moses been a contradiction to the message of grace that they had, they had heard and received from Paul and experienced from him. But their efforts to follow the law were also fostering separation and exclusion within the community of believers as well. And so like Peter, the Galatians weren't living, they weren't living out the acceptance and the inclusion that they had experienced themselves. And they were not living into that mission of blessing. They were not being a blessing to others. Instead, they were creating separation and division in the community. And embedded in that, I think, is an important word for us. Because as followers of Jesus, we too share both in the blessing as well as in the mission of blessing others through acceptance and inclusion. And that's something that can be just as easy for us to lose sight of 
as it was for the Galatians, right? albeit for very different reasons. Right? For the Galatians, separation and exclusion manifested themselves in the community in very overt and intentional ways because they were trying to ex live according to the law, and that was leaving some people out. For us, separation and exclusion tend to happen much more subtly. Uh, and oftentimes, for us, separation and, ex and exclusion can happen almost unintentionally as well. A Scientific American published a study that found that, on average, people speak, you and I speak, we say around 16,000 words a day. But even more interesting than that is separate research that shows that we share those words with a very small group of the same people. While most of us converse with between 7 and 15 people a day, about 80% of the words that we speak, or 13,000 of the 16,000 on average, are shared with a group of about five trusted individuals. And so when it comes to being a blessing to others, when it comes to being inclusive, for starters, it's important for us to realize that, that we tend to have a relatively small circle of people around us. And then, when you combine that with life in the Silicon Valley, right, where we're all busy, right, with our heads down, doing our stuff, it's not hard to understand just how easy it can be to leave people on the outside. Right? Whether that's because in the midst of our busyness, we're simply not aware of who's around us, or because of all the bustle in the valley, all of that just tends to, to make us assume that, that people are connected because they've got stuff going on. Right? When in reality, they, they may actually not be connected, may actually not feel included, may actually not feel accepted. And all of that serves as a very important reminder for us, I think, of the responsibility that we all share, right, as people who are blessed, the responsibility that we all share to be a blessing to others, and specifically to do that through relationships. And it reminds us of the responsibility as blessed people that we all share to live into that mission of the blessing by being a blessing to others through relationship. And a great way for us to engage with what it means, I think, to live into that responsibility is to think of ourselves as hosts. And if we think about ourselves as we gather together for a community, we think about ourselves as hosts. Right? What does a host do? Right? Hosts welcome people. Hosts engage in conversation. A host attends to needs. A host connects people together. Hosts are aware of who's around them. And hosts are inclusive. And when we think about what it means to be a host, I think that really encapsulates so much of what it looks like to be a blessing through relationship. And so this morning, as we are reminded in this very powerful way by Paul that we are a blessing, right? And we see the frustration that he has with the Galatians for not living into the mission of that blessing, right? For forgetting about it and then not being a blessing to others. Right? I think it's an important reminder for us 
to consider ourselves all as hosts, as a way of ensuring that we live into the responsibility that we've got. Right? So I want to encourage us all. This is our community, right? It's God's community. It's all of our community. So let's consider ourselves hosts. Who can you include? Who can you engage? Who is it that you can bless right? out of the blessing that you yourself have received? Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful this morning for this reminder from Paul through the Galatians of the wonderful and amazing reality that through our faith in Jesus, we are blessed. That through our faith, we are accepted, we are included. We're participants in the mission, in your mission of being a blessing that goes all the way back to Genesis when Abraham was first raised up. Father, we are grateful for that. And we recognize, God, that as people who are blessed, there's a responsibility that goes with that. And that's to share in the mission of being a blessing. And Father, I'm grateful this morning for all the amazing ways that that's already happening in the context of this community. But Father, as we consider it's the reality of our lives, the reality of the pace of the valley, the reality sometimes of how we just get focused on all of our own stuff. Father, would you remind us today of that responsibility? Show us the places where we can, where we can lean in. God, would we see ourselves as hosts? Would you make us aware of the people that are around us? Would you give us courage to initiate and engage and welcome to ask a question, to listen to a story? And God, that through that we might indeed be a blessing in the way that you call us to be. Father, would you give us a vision for being a blessing to others both here in our community and in our world as well. In Jesus' name we pray.